Well, good morning, everybody. My name's Randall Lawton. I'm the pastor of Aldinga Beach Community Church of Christ. And uh, we're meeting with the Living Word Church today. We're gathering together to listen to his word and to uh, hear Christ speak to us. So uh, let's um, pray together. Let's ask for the Lord to um, help us as we seek on this 19th of April, 2020, to uh, gather and uh, be comforted and encouraged in God's word. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much today that we gather together as your people, a people that have been saved and wonderfully graced in your love to be able to come into your presence with unhindered access and with abounding joy. We thank you, Father, that you have filled our hearts with your love and that your Son has come and ruled in our lives and is guiding our affairs as we speak and the affairs of the nations. And for the Holy Spirit who moves around and joins all truth together into one glorious whole that brings us a complete understanding of what is true. So Lord, we thank you that today that we can understand great mysteries in your word. We pray that your spirit would bring us revelation so that we can understand and that we can see your glory and enjoy all that your Son has for us. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. Alright, so we're looking at uh, Revelation 1, 9 to 20 today. The uh, This is a reading about the ascended Christ that the Apostle John sees. He has a vision of Christ. A trumpet blows behind him and he looks to see... Uh, 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 what is happening and he hears a voice and he sees this great son of man speaking and these are the words uh, of that revelation that vision that John had so we're in Revelation chapter 1 verses 9 to 20 so I'll just read that through now I John your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and and the patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on the account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamon and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive for evermore. I have 
the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstand, the seven stars are the, are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. I read through to the end of the chapter to, verse tw uh, to verses 20 there, from verses 9 to 20. So here we have this amazing revelation of Christ. And John uh, is so overwhelmed with this revelation that he falls down as though dead. He, what he does is he uh, explains the vision and he employs biblical imagery to bring to us um, the stunning uh, vision that he had of Christ. Uh, those uh, uh, pictorial uh, representations of Christ are not to be taken dead literally, but they are actual, but they point to a glory uh, that we need to understand in who Jesus is. So he sees this revelation and he is told to write it down, so he, he writes out as he understands the revelation and he gets to the end and he runs out of words and he falls down as though dead. And that, the first thing I would like to say uh, today is that uh, in our Christian faith we need to have a revelation of Christ and his glory. Uh, not just the Jesus who is my friend or the Jesus who is, who is uh, my lifestyle coach or something like that, but the popular understandings of Jesus who, who is just really... Uh, someone who facilitates our lives, uh, this revelation of Christ is much more uh, grand and much more uh, glorious than, than we could ever put into words, into literal words. And this is why we have this pictorial language, because uh, we need to understand his greatness. And John is, by describing it this way, is elevating our minds and our hearts. And we pray by the, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit we would have a vision of the ascended Christ uh, uh, in our lives, this ascended Christ who is above all things, as I said in chapter one, he's in the in the earlier verses of chapter one, he's the King of Kings, and as he said at the end, he's the first and he's the last. He's the he's this incredible Son of Man who grips John. So um, Pete, um, the Apostle Paul talks about Christ being preeminent. And I think many things in our life can can become bigger than Ben Hur, as it were. We uh, many events or people or things that have happened to us in our lives, other uh, spectacular inputs from the world may indeed get preeminence in our life, but uh, there is nothing that compares to the preeminence of Christ. He is He is this great and glorious Lord. So until we get this vision of Christ. Our our uh, our lives will be severely diminished as Christians, and so great is this revelation of Christ, and it gripped all of the apostles and the church in the New Testament. So great was that revelation; it meant that they could they could let go of the things in this age, the things on earth, as it were. They could they were not troubled by suffering and and uh, confusion and darkness in the world they weren't 
they, they the, the, the New Testament church were, were were indeed suffered and they experienced a lot of hardship but and no doubt a lot of things would have gone with that in their personal lives but yet their faith always rose into this ascended Christ which um, uh, into his glory and they under, and his his greatness the sheer weight of his greatness just captured their hearts and uh, they were they were able to uh, rise up in faith so the apostles were always calling them into this kind of understanding of Christ. So what I want to do is just explain where this vision comes from and my method in 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 talking about this is to go backwards through the scriptures and that seems to me to be a, a, a good way to read your scriptures by the way. If you just read the Old Testament and you come to Christ and uh, try to put together Christ in the light of the Old Testament just like that then we would just be like the apostles. We wouldn't understand it just like they didn't in their day. And they were Jews and they had their Bibles, their Old Testament scriptures. They didn't get Christ. But when he when he died and rose and he ascended and the Spirit was poured out after all that great event, they had a new uh, vision, a new understanding, a new revelation in this ascended Christ and by the Spirit. And then they were able to look back through the Old Testament with a with a new lens in Christ and see things in a different light, and that's how we have to read the Old Testament, I believe. So I'm going to use that method today. We're going to we're going to go back and see the importance of this this uh, risen Christ as it pertains back through the Old Testament. So if you notice in our reading, John saw one like a son of man. Now, when um, uh, when he calls Christ, the Son of Man, he is, um, he is um, uh, employing terminology that Christ himself used of his own ministry to identify himself in his own ministry. Uh, you may remember um, in the Gospels, Jesus very rarely, if not uh, hardly at all, called himself the Son of God. Occasionally he did. But for the most part, he he referred to himself as the Son of Man. Um, uh, right through the Gospels, through the four Gospels, that was his favourite self-terminology um, for himself. So I just want to read back. So we'll just go back to John, um, chapter 151, just to give you an example. We're just going to go through a few scriptures. So if you've got your Bibles, just... You can open them up and read them through with me. That would be a really good thing to do. Uh, but in John 1, 51, it says, and he, and he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So here we have Jesus right up front in his ministry in John's Gospel, calling, identifying himself as the Son of Man. The same Son of Man that John in the book of Revelation identifies him as there. And this Son of Man is the the figure that we read in Daniel 7. So if you'd like to go back to Daniel 7, we'll go to there now and we'll read from Daniel 7 and verses 9 to 14. So we're trying just to dig around in the scriptures to understand who this Son of Man is at, at this point. As I looked, verse 9 of John chapter 7, 
As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat, his clothes as white uh, as snow, and the hair of his head like uh, pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out before the throne. Thousands, a thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood be before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books are opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and I looked that the beast was killed and its body destroyed, and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, the, the dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So here we have this incredible vision in Daniel of the Ancient of Days on his throne. Uh, issuing judgments upon the earth and we see that after that first portion of that revelation in the book of Daniel the ancient of days with fire coming out from before him with uh, all with his uh, hair as white as wool um, these kind of descriptions of his purity and his holiness uh, with fire coming out from him and with thousands and thousands of angels around him serving him and he sits in judgment from his throne and he calls into judgment these beasts and uh, he deals with these beasts from his throne and then we have this picture after this of this son of man and this son of man is comes to the throne and he is presented to the throne probably by the myriads of angels that are around the Ancient of Days. And this Son of Man is presented to the throne. And he is given dominion and glory in a kingdom. So he he is served, he is worshipped um, by all the nations and all the peoples. So in other words, this Son of Man is has, in Daniel, would seem to have divine qualities. He... Uh, only God can be worshipped. So he's a son of man. So he's a human being. He's like Adam. Uh, but he's also worshipped. And given dominion like God. So here we have. This strange figure called the son of man. And this is exactly. The the son of man that. Uh, John sees. In Revelation chapter 1. And he. He uh, connects this son of man with uh, this vision in Daniel and if you notice he talks about uh, he had eyes like flames and uh, like flames of fire and he his head of his hair was white like wool so in other words in Revelation chapter 1 what John sees he sees in this son of man he sees divine qualities because uh, eyes like flames of fire and uh, a head with uh, with uh, with hair white like wool is 
the qualities that the Ancient of Days has. So Yahweh, God, has these qualities. And he, so there's this man who has these divine qualities as well in his person. So this is quite a stunning vision. So we, 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 we really need to say here and should say that this Son of Man is this great God-man ruling at the right hand of the Father. So this is uh, the, the glory of this uh, Son of Man. So uh, the revelation of who he is needs to come through to us today. Uh, if there's ever a day we need to understand uh, the glory of the Son of Man, uh, it is today. There's a lot of ugliness in the world. And even though we can put a lot of uh, superficial, superficial beauty into life by pictorial images and we can make things sweet uh, in, in a number of ways in our culture. There's a lot of darkness that brews underneath life and that keeps popping its way through and it's causing us a lot of issues in these days. So we need to understand um, the, the glory of this sun. We need to capture this vision and uh, worship him uh, and give him glory in our hearts. Uh, this is what God the Father demands that we see in his Son. Alright, so secondly, what I want to talk about now is that as John sees this vision, what is actually going on is that it, uh, it happens right through the Scriptures, but it culminates in the book of Revelation at the end of our canon as we have it. And that is the revelation of the unseen cosmos. So in other words... Um, what I'm saying here is that uh, when we talk about the cosmos, it's the Greek word for world, and the world is simply, in that sense, in its most essential sense, it means the the created order. Uh, there's another use of the world, uh, the word world, uh, in the scriptures, and it just means the world system, which can mean the uh, the the system under Satan the world in that sense that sometimes the word cosmos is used in that sense in the new testament but here we have this uh but but what i'm what i'm talking about here is the the other use of this word cosmos which simply means the created order now this created order that god has made this creation if we put it that way has two components it has a seen it, there is a seen world a seen cosmos and there is the unseen part of the cosmos. So in other, in other words, we could say that the cosmos, the created world as we know it, is like a two-story house. And the bottom story, if you like, is the material seen part or element of the cosmos. And the top story is the unseen um, element of the cosmos. And what we find is that Christ is has... Uh, when he ascended, he did not leave the house. He just simply took humanity to that upper story, to the unseen world, as it were. So he's prepared, he's gone ahead of us into that unseen, to that to that new order, the unseen cosmos in the future. That's that's already begun in Christ. Uh, but he hasn't left. He hasn't left the material world. He is still here, and as, as we read in Revelation, he's walking amongst the candlesticks. So there's a house. Uh, so if we put it another way, there's a house um, 
and the, the the there's goings on in the bottom story and there's goings on in the top story but all the rulership if you like all the the rule um uh is comes from the top story and that emanates down into the bottom story and so this christ has come and in his flesh as god and man he has joined together uh, the, the the disintegrated cosmos. He's brought together the 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 unseen world and the seen world into very close proximity. So now, you know, the writer of the Hebrew says we have access to unhindered un access to the throne of God. So in our hearts, we we belong in His home, in His cosmos, in His in His amongst His people, if you like. But His people can have unhindered access to the throne in the upper story. He's He's not apart from us, he's in the same house. Uh, but in our hearts we have to uh, choose to worship him and to approach him with with respect and honour and fear and with love ourselves. So there we have uh, this picture of this, this um, unseen cosmos. So in the New Testament you have this, uh, you have books that uh, speak from this perspective. You have some books in the, the some of the letters, if I could use the ap apostolic letters, some are speaking more about justification and forgiveness and all those sort of topics, and they're 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 primary, uh, primarily to speak to our hearts so that our hearts can be settled in this life that we can be sure of God's grace and learn to love Him and obey Him. So they give us a lot of wisdom to live in this created order in the material world, if you like. But uh, there's other books that emphasise this 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 upper story, if you like, and um, uh, this books like Ephesians and Colossians and Hebrews. You know, in Hebrews chapter twelve, there's you know the the writer of the Hebrews says we we worship amongst all the angels as we serve God in 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 worship services. The all the angels are with us, and we're we're joining in with them in our worship. And Colossians talks about our life is hidden with Christ in God. So we, we live our lives from the heavenly realms. We, we are generated from God and who lives in his holy space in the upper story of the cosmos. He's come to dwell on earth amongst his people and we live out of that. And Ephesians, you know, you know we've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So we're, we're blessed in the heavenly realms. So... So with Christ, he says, we've been raised into the in, into the heavenly realms already. So there's a sense which the resurrection and the ascension, where we're lifted up into Christ, into this glorious unseen world. And that's why we must keep listening to the word of God. Books like the Revelation, what they do is as John sees his vision, as the apostle sees this revelation, as he gets the word out of the heavens, that he's told to write it down. And as as we read it, as we believe it and trust it, the word gives us a vision and our, we have a completely different view and understanding of life. We, uh, we, we are to have this vision of the, the upper room, the, the, the upper cosmos, if you like, at, with our Lord, our ascended Lord, ruling over everything in this world. And that's the picture that must fill our minds, uh, not the pictures of the world that push in, push in on us all the time that's uh, you know everything we see on the tv or on our computer screens or on uh, all the marketing it's pushing images into our heads 
And all of that, all of those uh, images can have a profound influence on how we see things. But we are to get this revelation of this ascended Lord and this unseen world. Remember Paul said, the things that are unseen are more important than the things that are seen. That's what we're talking about today. So the things that we feel, the things that go on in life are important. The material world is very important to God. He created it. And we will have a material new creation. It will be a glorious new creation. Uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be like this creation in this age, but there'll be a new creation. It'll be, but it will be matter. Uh, God created matter, and therefore matter matters to God. And so we're not talking about uh, hyper-spirituality and leaving this world, but we're, what we're saying is that there's this, this glorious spiritual life that comes through the word and we see uh, the invisible if you like through the word and we we come to see a vision of Christ and we come to understand God and we actually see God through the word and um, in the way in which we hear that word all right so we're going to keep moving on because I'm not sure how long I'm supposed to speak for uh, but we'll try for about 40 minutes I think that's about what uh, you're used to there at living word so we'll give that a crack all right, so um, so I just want to show you that this double story, cosmos, is right through the scriptures, and uh, it's an important thing to understand. So um, let's go back to uh, if you go, just think back to our Daniel seven passage. Daniel has a vision of of these angels. He has a vision of the, of the throne and all the angels around God serving. God, the Ancient of Days, the Father, on the throne. And he sees the Son of Man. But that in the Old Testament is called the Divine Council. So in other words, uh, how when, when, when God opened up his life to his prophets, he would, he would uh, reveal how he was ruling in the world. And so there was these two views of life. And the prophets would give us a word from the Father, from the throne, and that was a different understanding of life from which we could feel from all our senses in life as it was or for, for, the, for the old covenant people. But the prophets, so in the Old Testament, uh, Jeremiah 23, in Jeremiah 23 he talks about uh, that prophets, uh, if they're going to prophesy or be authentic prophets, they need to have been in the divine council. So in other words, the only human being in the Old Testament that was able to, to be uh, involved in this upper story, in this throne room scene, if you like, in the Divine Council, um, was the prophet. And uh, th that's why the prophets were called seers. They would, they would see. The, the famous one is, of course, is Isaiah 6, but we could we we could look at Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 2 and 10 and so forth. And you, you can pick it up right through Isaiah. Um, he's hearing voices from the throne speak to him. And that, that word from the throne, from the divine council, was then prophesied to uh, Israel in the Old Testament. So they knew what God's will was, what he was doing, and his sovereign plans for Israel and for the world through what they said. So we have this amazing 
um, these amazing um, scriptures in the Old Testament that that um, give us um, this vision. So I'll just read to you, if you'd like to read from Psalm um, 89, and then from Psalm 89, 5 to 9, to give you an, an example. Uh, Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heaven being, heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you steal them. So here we have this this vision. David had a, a number of these visions. He was a prophet as as Peter called him in Acts chapter 2, and he would, he would experience these, uh, these visions and these, these, these uh, revelations of, of the throne room, and he would write them down in songs, and uh, uh, amazing passages of scriptures. And here we see this, this picture of God and his throne, and he's once again like Daniel 7, he's, a he's surrounded by an assembly of, of holy ones and these holy ones are the angelic beings you know you've got all these angelic beings in the new testament you've got uh, various types you've got uh, the four living creatures you've got cherubim and seraphim and and all these uh, unseen celestial creatures that serve god and his throne we don't know exactly what they are but we're given a picture of them and we're getting we get we, we've been given little insights into what's going on but David sees this, you see, and he, he writes it down and he writes it in his song. And if you notice there, he, he, he says, you know, there's, there's this, this is assembly of these holy ones, these creatures, but nothing compares to God, to Yahweh on the throne. And he is the one, he is awesome above everything else around him. And it's this vision um, of the Ancient of Days, uh, uh, we've been talking about Christ. We've, we'll come back to Christ and what his his ministry is uh, in this sense in a minute. But we have this this incredible vision of of the Ancient of Days uh, of God here on the throne, standing among all that He's doing and in control of His creation and everything, worshiping Him just because of who He is. And I think if we get a vision of who God is, if we get a you know in in Revelation chapter four. Uh, John sees uh, God the Father on the throne and he's covered in jewels and he's got all these creatures serving him and he's just this glorious God who is so wonderful and so mighty and, and so awe-inspiring that, you know, um, uh, if we could just see this vision and my prayer is that we, we'll get a glimpse of this today as we speak and you know, if if we if we see the greatness of God and the greatness of the Son of Man who is presented to Him, serving His Father uh, above all things, and the Son of Man walking amongst us, bringing us all this ministry into the throne room, if we can see that, if we can understand it, if we can get a glimpse of His glory and His beauty, we would we would never be the same. We'll we we'll change forever. 
we wouldn't it it wouldn't worry us if we lived or we died honestly it wouldn't uh, we wouldn't worry if we if we lost our job or I wouldn't worry as a pastor if I lost my ministry it would be a secondary thing so because God would remain on his throne and once you get this revelation that's all that matters that he is who he is so these are great things so I just want to show you how he functions from this what's called the divine or the assembly of the holy ones or the divine council a bit like the council chambers in your local uh, district you have a council chambers well there's a council in heaven in the old testament and uh, occasionally this council sits and it brings and god brings together and there's there, like we in daniel 7 there's a, there's a time of judgment and decrees are issued judgments are made and there's an, uh, just we get a, 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 a quite a wonderful insight into this uh, with Micaiah in 1 Kings 22, 19 to 23 verse 30 and verse 34. So if you, I'll just show you how this works. If you'd like to read it through, through with me, 1 Kings 22, 19 to 23 and then verse 34. Um, I'll get the right page. Here we go. Okay, this whole context is King Ahab, the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. And uh, he is um, uh, with Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. He's working out how to to to, to go and fight at uh, um, uh, Ramoth-Gilead and uh, have a battle. I won't go into all the details of that, but nevertheless, Ahab has, uh, has uh, God is not pleased with him because uh, he's married Jezebel and she and with with her he's he's incorporated idolatry into Israel and his sins have are incredibly uh, are, are, have gone up to God and he is and he, his sins are very serious let me put it that way and so God uh, is dealing in this with Ahab and there's this uh, all this playing out of prophets uh, Jezebel has murdered a heap of the prophets uh, but anyway, I just want to cut to the chase here because we, because of time, and just read. And this is how God is ruling in the situation. I just want to focus on that in these first first few few verses of one Kings twenty two nineteen. And Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. So there's the same thing as. Daniel 7 and Psalm 89, there's a, the Lord on his throne with all of the angelic beings and the celestial beings around him, uh, all around him. And verse 20, And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? So in other words, uh, what's going on here is that the Lord has decreed that, um, uh, that Ahab would die. He's executed a death sentence on Ahab, and justly so. And um, and verse um, verse second half of verse twenty. And one said to and one said one thing, and another said to another. So the Lord is speaking to his angelic uh, beings. All the the ones around him, the hosts of heaven, the armies of heaven, the, 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 the servants, the celestial servants, and he says to them, you know, who's going to go up and um, 
and and organise a way in which Ahab will die at Ramoth Gilead. And so, uh, and then they have a discussion. There's this discussion amongst the celestial beings. And then one of them comes forward, a spirit comes forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. So there's a volunteer, as it were. They have a discussion and one goes forward and, and he says, I will entice him. In verse 22, and the Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. So in other words, the prophets all say to him, if you read the story earlier, they all say to him, yes, go and fight at Ramon Gilead. You're going to have success. But really what has happened is that from the throne room, God, one of God's celestial beings under the under the order of God has come and has actually put a lying spirit in the prophets so that Ahab will go out and fight. But the, the but what will happen, of course, as the story play, play, plays out, is that as when Ahab goes and fights at Ramon Gilead, he is put to death and he dies. So you go to verse 34. But a certain man, this is in the middle of the battle at Ramoth Gilead, verse 34, but a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armour and the breastplate. Therefore, he said to the driver of his chariot, turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And it goes on to show how he actually died from that, from that wound. So in other words, uh, notice what the irony in the text, it says, but a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king between the scale armour and the breastplate. So at random, and it happened to land just between the two the, the two joins in his armour, and he gets killed because of that. So what looks to be just the playing out of politics and the, 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 the chance of getting an arrow in battle, uh, that's how it looks to all of us uh, on, on the earth, in this world, in the seen and felt world, if you like. But in reality, what is going on is that God has decreed all of this from the throne and he has put uh, this uh, through the celestial beings, he's put a lying spirit to get Ahab to get to this point so he can be put to death. Now that is God's rulership in action. It's an unseen rule. And when the prophets speak, they give us this insight of what is actually going in, in, the, in the, on the upper story. And the upper story, if you remember, is where all the authority and the rule and where all the actual decisions are made. Right, so I'm going to move on. I've been going for 38 minutes, so we need to keep moving on. So what I want to say now is that when the Son of Man came, when the Son of God became a man and he called himself the Son of Man, uh, the Father said in Mark's Gospel that... Um, uh, that his ministry was to be a ministry of authority in this age. So in the Old Testament, we uh, we have the old age, if you like, but in the new age is when the Son of Man came to earth and took on flesh, uh, when the Son of God came to earth and took on flesh, and the, and he is given as the Son of Man. In this age, uh, the, the, the Son of God and the Son of Man is given a particular ministry, and I'll read it to you from John, chapter 5, 25 to 28. 
Uh, truly, truly, I say, an hour is coming is now here when the dead will hear in the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So in other words, the Father has decreed, and he's put his Son onto the earth, given him flesh, he's taken on our flesh, so, he be, so our, uh, he, our humanity now shares in his rule, and his function is to to have a ministry to execute judgment over the earth so this is quite something and judgment's not a popular topic to talk about today but uh, this is how we must view life that Christ is ruling in this age since he's come and he's executing that kind of rule that we read in the Old Testament through the prophets he's ex executing that rule as the son of man from his throne and now, where the prophets spoke in the Old Testament, now the prophet who was Christ, the Son of Man, uh, which was also called, he was called, Ezekiel called himself that too, uh, or he was called that by the Lord in Ezekiel. He now speaks, Christ now speaks, and hears the word of God. He brings us the vision of the divine council on earth today. And so we have this action where Christ is, bringing everything in this age to conformity under the Father. So he's given a ministry of judgment. We might, you know, we might think, oh, well, this is all pretty grim in one way, but it's not really. It's, 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 you know, if you're a believer, you've been saved, you've, all your sins are forgiven, uh, you've come into a glory, you, you, you're, you're, you're justified, you're sanctified, you're glorified, as Paul says, there's a complete work of grace in your life. But that, that, that sanctifying work, if you like, sets us free in God's holiness to see his holiness and to understand that God has to destroy everything that's against, against him ultimately. Even if he is patient over many, many hundreds and thousands of years, he is, he is going to bring a judgment. And in this age, he's, his son is bringing that judgment. So I'll just read to you from 1 Corinthians, this is our last text to read from, 1 Corinthians 15, as we wrap up shortly, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 24 to 28, uh, talk, talking about uh, when um, uh, the end will come at the end of the age, then comes the end when he, this is Christ, delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy destroyed his death and so forth. But the point I'm making here is that the ministry of Christ in our age in which we live is to destroy everything that is against God the Father. He, and, uh, the, and if you look at the book of Revelation, the Son executes judgments over all the globe, all the earth. He is ministering the judgments the seven seals and the seven bowls of wrath and so forth, uh, you, you, we see these the, the Son of Man, the, 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 the Lamb who was slain, executing these judgments to bring the world uh, into submission to God, to 
and to, to, to play out history so that those who are of God, the elect, will actually believe through the pressure of the ministry of the Son of Man, they will come and they will believe and, and through his action to, to trust in God the Father and, and to come to be his children in, in the Son. So that, that is the ministry of Christ. And so as we, uh, so uh, what I want us to see is the glory of this Son of Man and to understand that he's superintending this upper story, this, this invisible life, if you like, that goes on. The thing that Paul said was the most important aspect of our lives is not what we see and feel. It's, this, it's the eternal glory of this upper room that has already come to us in this age. And so we have this incredible, invisible rule of Christ in this age, this ascended Christ on behalf of God the Father on the throne. And he is working today as we speak. God, you know, I don't want to put too fine a point on and say what God is doing. But I think one thing we could say today is that is that uh, God is really saying to us, I think, I believe, you have stopped listening to me for nearly 200 years. I want you to start listening to my son again. I think there's been a crisis in the church of the loss of confidence in the the authority and the veracity of the word of God, the the scriptures. We've lost the the power of the Holy Spirit to to um, speak prophetically with all of that. And uh, my prayer is that we would see. So uh, I want us to be encouraged today to firstly see the glory of Christ, to see the wonder of who this Son of Man is. Read Revelation 1 and see his glory and join with the Apostle John by the power of the Spirit and worship this Christ as his worship. And as is done in the rest of the book of Revelation, he's worshipped as God is worshipped, Christ is worshipped. And so he's this great divine man. He's this divine Son of God and this truly man, Son of Man figure uh, I mean, how could anyone even <laughs> sort of come to that unless you get a revelation on it? We're never going to see it. But the, the, but the scriptures give us this and the spirit wants us to, he wants us to listen to Christ and to see him and to understand him. And if you might remember in the transfiguration on the mountain when he was transfigured, when he went white, uh, the father said, this is my son, listen to him. And that's, that's what the Father is doing. He's wanting us to listen to his Son. And I believe today we must have a new hearing of the Son of Man. We must listen to him. We must trust God. We should trust God that he's able to speak to us in the scriptures in a very powerful way. And the Spirit makes that all come alive in our hearts so it's not just a dead philosophical thing. Uh, not not just being clever or not just being over spiritual and disconnecting ourselves from this world. God is doing a great sovereign work in life as we know it uh, in this world and we should not neglect the life that we're in but we're only going to be able to live this life until we see these things in the in the in the Son of Man. And you know just very lastly and I'd just like to make this point that God will take away sometimes he will take away almost everything from us so that we will actually listen to his son and sometimes those things are very painful 
but they are very important because if we don't listen to his son, we do not have life. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You must abide in me and in my word and in my love. And without me, you can do nothing. You cannot bear any fruit in life. You can't be, have be any kind of productive human being in any sense of the word without Christ. So we must come to this son of man. And the Father is demanding that we actually listen to him today. So I'd encourage you to to um, receive this revelation that that John has given to us and uh, see the glory of it. Um, uh, my prayer is that we would see. And uh, so some of us here might be, some of us may have lost our jobs. Some of us may be suffering immensely. The Lord cares. He knows. He understands. But there is a reason for it all. And I encourage you to, to whoever's listening, just to get yourself into the word and to submit your heart and trust God in it all. And you can let go of this life as we know it and we'll go into a new creation one day uh, if the Lord wants us to go with him at any time. And, but we can work our way through suffering because we have this glorious Lord in our lives. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for sending your spirit we ask that you would send him afresh into our lives, that we would see and understand this glorious Christ. Father, as we speak these words, as we read your scriptures on these things, we speak with stammering tongues. We are not good at really putting it together uh, in a perfect linguistic way. But Lord, somehow we pray that your word would come through to us. Uh, even as we've heard your scriptures today, we pray that your spirit would take that word and put it into our hearts and that we would know this living Christ in our lives and be enthralled with him and worship him and love him and in him come to you and worship you. So we ask, Father, that you would forgive us for our stubbornness of hearts at times, for our refusal to listen to your word, for looking at all the other images that are around in the world for loving this world more than loving, more than we love you. Father, forgive us for these things. But we thank you that you are a God of great grace and incredible mercy. So forgive us, your people, and give us a new day, we pray. Revive your church, and may your spirit bring great revelation to all of us in these days. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody. It's been great to spend this time with you, and I look forward to seeing you face to face one day. God bless. See you later. Bye.